Welcome to episode 51 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, guys, for this episode, I'm joined by the drummer of the band's Sons on Fire and formerly of Kicking Kate, Bill Nichey. I uh, had a great time talking to him both both during the show and we talked a bit after. It was a great dude to talk to. I really enjoyed the uh, really enjoyed the interview as always. I think that you guys will too. Not going to spend too much time blabbing on. We're going to get right into it. Without further ado, here's Bill. What's up, cool. everybody? It's Jay Bunny. I am here uh, once again on Skype, once again enjoying the fantasticness that is a beer from the Ghost Hawk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey. Check them out. And joining me today on the show, and it just occurs to me that I am not sure. I uh, hope I don't butcher your your last name. I have with Nichey. me Bill <laughs> Nichey. All right, there, there we go. go. Drummer from the band Sons on Fire and formerly of the band Kicking Kate. How's it going today? What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I actually, uh, it was funny when I got the uh, when I found out about you guys. I was like, oh man, Kicking Kate. I hadn't heard about that band in a long time. I'm glad to hear that the people that were in that band are still around and still doing yeah. stuff. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was one of those things. I mean, we came out with a, it was a pretty big splash. I mean, we were, we were on all the tours, all the Jaeger tours, played with every band that we've ever wanted to play with. And it was cool. And then once that cycle ran out, you know, we kind of, uh, towards the end there, everybody's around everybody for so long. I think we crisscrossed the U S probably eight times in that cycle. It was just, a, it was just nonstop of, you know, trying to build and build and build. And that was, a, that was the era of the MySpace, And, you know, we promoted the heck out of it. And then obviously Octane picked it up and it blew up right. from there. And then, uh, it, it just, uh, you know, we, we all came back and we all kind of took a hiatus and I moved to Austin. The rest of the guys were San Diego. Frank actually moved to, uh, New York were actually where he was from. And then it just kind of just, you know, one month led to a six months, led to a year, led to two years, led to three. And then uh, Johnny and Chuck were putting a, a project together with Trevor. And at the time I was kind of, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I might be wanted to do something different. And so they had this incarnation of, of Sons on Fire, you know, two years ago and nothing really happened. But I always said, you know, if, if, you know, if there's one singer I always wanted, it was Darren and he was in a band called One Theory. And they're uh, pretty heavy. But when he went into the choruses of those songs, he was just amazing. We always said, man, if we can ever just play with Darren. So I said, listen, guys, I'll play with you again. We'll do this. But I really want to see if you guys can get Darren. And they called me back like an hour later and said, Darren's in. I'm saying, well, I'm in. <laughs> so then then this started. This has probably been about a year, year and two months that we've been started doing this. Wow. I, I want to jump back a little bit to, if you don't mind, to a little bit yeah. of the of the kick and Kate. Like I, I actually had gotten, you know, you said you guys got picked up by Octane, and that's actually where my exposure to the band was uh, was when the, yeah. the song Score was getting played. Yeah. And and it's so funny because you know that was I don't know that anybody you know because nobody really downloads music, listens to CDs anymore. Everything is streaming. Yep. And so I remember when I when that song came out, I had downloaded it from iTunes and I made like a like a mix CD. And mm-hmm. it's so funny to go back and look at that and see just what a snapshot in time that was. Yeah. Because yeah. everything everything looking at the track listing of that mix CD that I had made, you know, was all stuff that was either on the radio. Um, I could probably tell you what it was. It was probably in this moment, Hollywood Undead, Seven Dust, Us, Pop Evil. <laughs> Well, it's not. It's, what's funny is actually not, it, it, the stuff that I've got on here is all stuff that was like like 
stuff that was either getting played on the radio around that same time, right. uh, a couple of songs that I had really dug from uh, that that were in the game Rock Band, and then right. a bunch of stuff that was being released by uh, Roadrunner around the same time. So like just a quick uh, rundown: the, the the track list of this CD I made was Throwdown, yeah, Three Inches of Blood. Power Man 5000, Seven yep. Floyd, Otep, Steel Panther, Fear Factory, <laughs> Clutch, yep. Devin Townsend Project, Charred Walls of the Damned, Kicking Kate, Craving Lucy, Il Craving Nino. Lucy, yeah. Dude, you were all over the place. Uh, and then and then the two songs from Rock Band were uh, this band Anarchy Club and this other band mm-hmm. called The Breaking Wheel. Nice. And then the rest of that CD is just filled out by stuff that was being released by Roadrunner at the time that they were sending out like free downloads of so Hatebreed, Killswitch, Megadeth, Mutiny Within, mm-hmm. and Rob Zombie. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. I think I got the same playlist almost. <laughs> <laughs> so just because I would be remiss to not ask, yeah. Kicking Kate, what was that name about? We, you know, what's funny is we 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 were coming up with names, and it was like we we came up with fifteen different names probably. And everything was always taken. Every time we talked to a manager or a label, we're like, we're ready. Right, here's the name. Nope, it's taken. Nope, it's taken. So we're like, let's think of something stupid. We wanted to do like the little Motley Crue things with the with the little zeros on top or little dots on top. We, we talked about doing things backwards. And we're like, kicking Kate. Well, we knew this girl, Kate. But then we're like, kicking. But then there was a band, kicking and screaming. We're like, kicking. But then if we did K and with an eight, we, we only did that because nobody would be stupid enough to have the K and the eight. <laughs> we thought and they didn't so they're like oh that's available like okay kicking kate is cool and it just we kind of wanted like something like allison chains like something like that kind of a name and every time we came up with something like craving lucy allison Chains, something with a name in it like that and every time we came up with something it was taken so we're like nobody's gonna be dumb enough to put a k and an eight and call it kate so let's just do that <laughs> so see it's funny is when i i, I had uh uh josh the the bass player from uh from Psycho Stick on the show back in the day, mm-hmm. like one of, one of the first shows, and I had asked him a same same question about how did you guys come up with the name, and he's like, you really just gotta, you know, he's like, the more words you put in it, the less likely that someone else is already using it, and when you exactly. put two things together that don't make a whole lot of sense, exactly. chances are good that no one else is using it. Yeah, like the stupid name Jumbo Shrimp. What is that? Jumbo <laughs> Shrimp. It's like it's big. What? It's an oxymoron. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that, that the band had gone on hiatus. Now, when I was looking at your the, the, the Kick and Kate social media, it looked like you guys tried to sort of come back in 2012. Did that? Did anything ever come no, out? No, actually, actually, we did. And we did a show two years ago in Phoenix, and it was sold out. We brought Jeff back, our second guitar player, I think, at the time, to do the shows because everybody kind of separated. But there was friends of ours in, in Phoenix, uh, Evelocity, that we were out at around the same time. We're doing a reunion show, and that could be great if you guys come to Phoenix, because we play Phoenix a lot with them and had a good following there. And we're like, you know, we want to do something. And we kept trying, but having everybody, and this was, you know, a couple of years ago, where having everybody where they have their own home studio, you know, it's rough if not everybody does. And everybody does now in our band, so it's easy to send tracks back and forth and learn. But at the time, like, one guy had some stuff, then he would send, you know, Frank, Frank the track, and then it would come back, and then... You know, uh, you know, me and Johnny would learn it. Then I'd fly out there, and it, was, it just it wasn't working. But we we wanted to we wanted to because we wanted to capitalize. But there was a couple of years that went by, and we're like, you know, just uh, let this thing go right now. And you know, who's to say what's going to happen down the line? I mean, we still talk to everybody. We still talk to Dustin. Obviously, Chuck and Johnny are are with me here, and we still right. talk to Frank. Obviously, so I mean, who knows what can happen? It, it's just right now, this what we're doing is is a whole different thing. I mean. 
Tuesday, it went to radio. We already grabbed number one and two spots of most added. Number one on uh, foundations, the secondary markets, and number two on Billboard Active Rock for ads. I mean, that's insane. I mean, to, to tell you the truth, I mean, this was a band that we have right now that is basically a project. It was like, listen, guys, we all got our own businesses. We all got our own family life. We all got stuff going on. We're not just going to jump in a bus and crisscross the country and play to fans and build up the old school way. We just don't have that kind of time. So we said, listen, I'll do this, but we'll do this in a way where it's going to be 150% business, and we're going to change the paradigm of, of how this works. With COVID right now, you can't go out and tour. You can't build an audience or a following like you used to do before this thing was around. Everything's closed. So what do you got to do? Right. You got to bring the best team with the best label, with the best people that's firing on all cylinders. So we said, listen, let's just make four songs. Okay. These guys recorded the four songs. They sent me the tracks. I flew out there. We re- rehearsed a couple of times. We went and we smashed it out. The record's actually been done for probably six, seven months now. And it's just been sitting waiting because we had to wait to get a release date. Then it was, are we going to put this out during COVID? And we said, hell yeah, we are. Because while everybody's crying in their beer that you can't go out and do stuff, we looked at it as an opportunity that there's not a lot of things for people to do right now, except maybe turn on to new music. So we said, Let's. Why not put it out now? We can't tour anyways, but why wait until this thing gets done? And who knows when this is going to be done? Let's put it out now and capture eyeballs when there's less things for people to do and maybe they're looking for something new. So we, I think we probably rehearsed as a band maybe 12 times, went in and recorded the record, and then we played a show. First show we played sold out San Diego. It was insanity. People were waiting for us. There was obviously Kicking Kate fans, and there was One Theory fans, and there was Steel Rain fans with Trevor's old band. And, you know, we get done, and, and it was just like it was, a, it was a mind warp. The San Diego Tribune was there and said, what are you guys doing? What is this band? You guys, I walked in when you guys were doing this remake because we did uh, come together again with this band as we did with Kicking Kate. And they're like, that's the best rendition we've ever heard. You know, we want to do a story on you. We're like, this is just craziness. This is like a part-time <laughs> thing that – we played one show and here it is again. And now to fast forward to last Tuesday, when we've got the best guys in the radio working this right now, we've got the best PR, we've got the press, we've got, it's like we, we put everything together that maybe we didn't all have the right ingredients before behind the scenes to make Kicking Kate go farther, which I mean, we did great, it, but we did great just on talent because people like the song I'm right. talking about now. We didn't know what to expect. I mean, we, we all know this. We've done it. We've done it at the high level. We've done it at the low level. We know how to play the game. We know how to run the business. I just said, I'm not going to get involved in something and not have it be what it was. I just can't go backwards. Nobody right. can. I mean, it's just, it's demoralizing. So we just said, here's what we'll do. We'll make four songs. We'll go right to radio, hire the best radio guys, go with our buddies at pavement. I've known Mark for years. I think I've done five or six records with him already. He did the Kate record as well. So we had a relationship and I've known him for probably 20 something years, 30 years. Um, since we we're kids and it, it's a trust issue. Everybody that works with us are people that we know or we trust and we know their job. Then we brought in Chris Jimino, who was also our manager with Kate. He came in. So it, we had a working relationship and we just said, all right, there's no bullshit, no cutting corners. Here's what we're going to do. Record four killer songs, go right to radio, see what happens at radio. Radio will dictate what we're going to do. And then when we got this on Tuesday, it was kind of like a freak out, like a mind brain fart. It was like, Dude, I mean, who could even imagine? I mean, the only one that beat us on um, Billboard was Alter Bridge. We were number two for ads. And then we're like, and now granted, that's just ads. That's not spins that. But, but for a new band that's not even out, that's played one show to come number two on that, but then to be number one in the foundations form chart for secondary markets, that's huge. So all of a sudden we looked at each other and said, well, shit, now what do we do? 
look what we just created now. Now, now everybody better prepare for the next thing, you know? So right, right, right. we're all scratching our heads going, holy shit, be, you know, be careful what you wish for. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we're off to a bang and start. The problem with this, it's a double-edged sword, is now the guys are like, you know, you're not going to stay number one or two for ads all the time. You're, you're going to fall down. Well, don't yeah. be bummed about it. I mean, we almost wish we would have came in at like 10 or 20. That would have been, we would have been ecstatic. You know what right, I mean? Right. Now it's like, fuck, it's like, you're going to come down, but so what? You, you came out with a bang, but how do we follow that up? How do we keep the pedal to the metal? And I think it opened up everybody's eyes, the label's eyes. That might've been the biggest debut for any band that Pavement's had. And they've had some big bands. They've got Candlebox. They've got Puddle of Mud. They've got Tantric. They've got Dishwalla. They've had Power Man. They've got Head PE. I mean, it, for a new band of our stature to come out and do something like that is, is unheard of. And then the press is just, every day I'm doing these things. And it's, it's, I mean, I just don't know where people are finding it or how it got out so fast. Well, I would say that you definitely, I mean, it was brought to my attention through the, you know, your publicist, you know, yep. said, sends me an email. So I guess that, you know, she's obviously earning her keep, get, getting the, getting the awesome. information yeah. out there. Yeah. Every day I'm getting, here's, here's this one on this day. Get this on this day. Can you do this one on a Wednesday? And I'm like, get, just keep sending them to us and we'll knock them out. Well, that's fantastic, man. So again, you know, I know <laughs> I asked with, 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 with Kick and K, but also with, yep. with, with Sons on Fire. How'd you come up with the name? Kind of the same thing. We were sitting here looking. It, it was originally called 91 Proof. And that was kind of, I looked at it. I come from a marketing and entertainment background. So I'm kind of like looking at this going, you know, it's kind of a 38 special bluesy. I'm like, that kind of sounds, it really doesn't, I, I don't know. I think it might be a little cliche. Let's change this name. And then we started going through names. And then sons, we're all sons. All of us are sons. And then on fire, this is something, like I said, every one of us has always wanted to be in another band with the other guys or at least record with them. Like we've always wanted Darren. We knew about Darren for years. You know, if we couldn't have Frank from Kate, we wanted Darren. And now for me to be able to do both these guys, I mean, they're both great front men. And Darren is just, it's a whole different deal. To, to And it, it, I think it freaks his friends out a little bit because he's so kill switch engage, really heavy, heavy singer. But when he would go into those choruses, I was like, man, this guy, if we can ever get him to sing. And I don't want to say kind of like what David Draymond's doing now, you know, Disturbed, which I grew up, they're friends of mine in Chicago. He's always been David. But all of a sudden now, look, the sound of silence and all of a sudden uh, this new remake today, he's starting to sing more. Yeah. And they're, they're getting mass, mass, you know, a whole different demographic from that. Darren's friends are like, dude, I'm used to seeing you in the pit. And you were like a Phil Anselmo meets, you know, I don't know, the Kill Switch Engaged meets, you know, whoever's heavy, they're really heavy in that, in that vein. And all of a sudden he's singing songs that are almost commercial. They, they really can't believe it, but he's nailing it. I mean, he, in the studio, he's phenomenal. I mean, he, he's, he looks he looks like a baddie. He looks like Phil Anselmo, but he's a big teddy bear, man. And he, he sings his ass off. And that's, I knew he can do that. And we just, it's just weird because all of us come, if you, if you, if you talk to each one of us, we'd all give you a different scope of music of what our influences are. And none of them are the same. I'm more Motley Crue, early Van Halen. I love Seven Dust. I love Manson. I love theatricals. You know, Johnny was the same. He loves even more like Rush. Then you get into Darren. He could be like Leonard Skinner. Chuck is obviously Metallica. Uh, Trevor is, you know, Waylon Jennings and, and Johnny Cash. And But when you put us in a room, it comes with this mishmash that all of a sudden comes through the strainer. And it's this sound that's, it's not rock. It's not pop. It's not thrash. It's not blues. It's not country. I don't know what it is. Somebody did another review and they said it great. And, and it was like, 
finally somebody made another true rock record again. It's not aggro. It's not angst. It's not metal. It's not, you know, I don't really know what we are. I mean, I just would consider it rock. And the name, like I said, Suns on Fire, it was the, the, the stars and the sun aligned for all of us to play together. And then the way we all played together was like it was on fire and we're like suns on fire. It's like nobody can have that. There's a suns in fire. I think there was a suns of fire. So we picked on suns on fire. Yeah, I think suns. I don't recall who's in that band, but suns of fire does does ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know if they're really doing much. There was a search on it and they were doing a little bit of stuff, but not too much. So nothing that we thought we had to worry about. All right, that's fair enough. Now, you know, you've been in a couple of bands now, and, and I ask the, this same question of, of anybody that's ever been on the show. You know, how do you feel about, now obviously this year is a bit different with, with no touring and COVID and all that, but in the, in the general sense, in the recent, recent history, how do you feel about the current state of where the music industry is, where, where like I said before when I was talking about, you know, the, the, the playlist, the mix CD that I had made that mm-hmm. had Kick and Kate on it, like, nobody really <clears throat> buys music anymore. Everybody's got this attitude of, well... You know, we can just Spotify or we can just do illegal downloading because, like, all the money is in concerts anyway. And, and now there's yeah. no concerts. But, like, how do you feel about that? That seems like that. It seems to be the general attitude of the music listening public these days. I, I think you nailed it on the head. You know, I was around when obviously when, when the Napsters was coming out and everybody was freaked out about that. And then you got the Spotify's of today and you get, you know, Metallica doing their thing. I got Napster. And, you know, here's how we look at it with the with the with the advantages of social media today you have the world in the palm of your hand if you're going to make a good song it's going to be found whether you tour it or not and i think that's kind of like what we're saying right now is you have to go to the masses you know we, being a new band let's let's call a spade a spade we can get in a, in a in a van because obviously you know there's no money for buses at this period so you're going to go get in a van and crisscross the country and you're going to play in front of 20 or 30 people. Then you hope the next six months you get out there, there might be 50. Why do all that when you can go straight to radio? Well, most people can't do that because it costs to do that. Well, then don't, don't do this business. This is right. not a little boy's business. You need to have funds behind you, sponsorships or what have you, or a rich uncle that's going to throw money out there and do this. Well, fortunately for us, we're, we all of us have a lot of our own businesses. We've been through this and we've made it a huge Rolodex of relationships. And that's the reason it works for us. But I think you're right. I mean, there's there's not a lot of buying CDs. I used to love going in the record stores and just flipping through the vinyl and looking the cool, you know, Kiss Alive 2 or, you know, Motley Crue Shout Out the Devil. You're like, oh, my God, look at the way this looks. This is so cool. I would buy it just off the looks. Right. Um, you know, it is different. And, you know, I don't know, but I think it just comes down to, you know, you got social media, bust your ass. Get out there and add friends. Get your song out there the most you can. You know, again, the song's got to be good. If it's a dud, it's a dud. Poop's not going to be anything different from poop. You know what I mean? It's, right, it's, right, right. It, I mean, it, you can't make poop smell any better than what it is. You have to have a good song, so you have to obviously have that. That's the first battle. Next battle is getting it out there. And you've got social media. Every one of your band members has access to social media. You go after one target, we go after another. The thing with us, again, is we were very big in the Midwest. Me being from Chicago, we have relationships, obviously, WJJO and Madison one of the top rock stations in the country, obviously Lou Brutus, obviously Jose at, at Octane, Ellie Lloyd Jose. with the Rock 30. So, I mean, those are relationships that are, are priceless to us that we obviously went to now. And yes, it's a new band, but we're coming out with, I mean, we've got the heavy hitters that can help us, but they're, you know, just because I'm friends with them doesn't mean they're going to help 
push something that's bad. So again, right. it has to be good. So, you know, that's, that's the difference. I mean, being a new van and, you know, being a new band in today's world is, is rough. I mean, if you don't have money or you don't have relationships, you're pretty much stuck. I mean, I've seen so many bands, even when we were in Kate that would open for us that were just awesome. And I'm like, man, I wish I was in a position to help these guys because they're such a great band. And that used to happen before, even back in the eighties. I mean, Motley helped rat or, you know, Van Halen would take bands out and, and even, you know, disturbs did that or seven dust has done that a lot with bands. Alter bridge has done it, but now without touring, you really can't help them. So you can lend your music or your relationships to them, but it's different. You know, you just, you just got to work, man. You got to work at social media. You have access to every program director, every face group, uh, fan or groups of people that love music. You just have to target those people and get your music out there as much as you can. And hopefully that it catches fire or you get somebody's eye that's willing to help you. Definitely, man. Definitely. And then, and then sort of speaking to the whole thing where there's no touring right now, how do you feel about the way that the, in, the entertainment industry as a whole has tried to work around not being able to have in-person live performances? Like I've noticed there's a lot more bands live streaming. There's, but I heard Facebook's going to limit that, right? <laughs> Yeah, they're, 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 they, I did hear something about that, but there has yeah. until until that comes to be, bands have been doing that not just through Facebook, but YouTube and other platforms. Yeah. There's also been uh, the advent of for comedy. There's this thing, and I, I've mentioned it a lot on shows lately. The what they call the Nowhere Comedy Club, where they mm-hmm. do comedy shows through Zoom. Uh, you yep. know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of going to Renaissance fairs. They started yep. a thing called Digital Ren Fair, where they do like really? Ren Fair bands perform, and not even just bands, Ren Fair acts performing online for people to watch. Mm-hmm. And then and then you also have this thing now with I think it's called the company's called Encore Live, where they record <clears> bands <throat> and then they'll they'll put the concerts at drive-in movie theaters. So how do you feel about well, they- how? They, they just did that here. I'm in, I'm just outside Austin and they just uh, started, they did a driving movie. In fact, Snoop Dogg, Nelly and Stoney LaRue, which I think he's a country guy, all played an outdoor concert here and it was packed. They had a big stage. It looked like Vans Warped Tour, a huge production, lined up cars and people went out to it. You know, I think this COVID thing has made a lot of people, and I've got my own views on it, so I'm not going to get political about it or what I think, but I will say COVID is, was going to affect more people financially than the virus itself. There's so many businesses and people that are losing everything because of the decisions by some closing business or limiting businesses. You know, it, it's been a, it's been a it, it's, it's a shame, actually. But, you know, the entertainment industry, they're starting to figure out ways to do it. You can do your Zoom concerts. You can do your drive in concerts. It, it's what it, it's what it is right now. I think COVID is making everybody rethink their lives, rethink their world, rethink how life used to be. And realize going back to what mattered most. Now you're sitting around the table with your family again eating dinner. Not everybody's on the phone. It, it kind of put everybody in check and maybe made you do a little bit of a reboot. But I think it was a good eye-opening experience because now you have to shift and change gears and put on your thinking cap again. Everything was pretty much just, you know, blase. You know, you go to a concert, it was all second nature. Now it's like, what are we going to do to stand out? You know, um, radio stations now are doing sound lounges. WJJO does it. We talked about doing a streaming thing with them. That's all great. And there's people that are signing in to watch those things. You don't have the total personalized feel, but I always say if we can just take you away for 30 or 45 minutes from your everyday troubles or bullshit and get you back into that little sense of reality, at least watching a band or at least something, seeing something new or seeing your favorite artist. I mean, I, I sign up to all that. Seven Dust just did one. Motley Crue, I think, did something one last week. I mean, I watch all that stuff because it's like a sponge. You got to suck it all up. But musicians don't have a lot. I mean, I don't want to say we don't have a lot at our disposal. It's just you have to be unique 
and what you're going to do. And if a true fan loves you, I would have did anything to watch Motley Crue as a kid or Kiss. I mean, I remember sitting in front of the stereo recording Journey or Motley Crue live at the Whiskey or, you know, I, I would do that. So it's back to almost like you're reverting back to being a fan. You will do anything just to be in contact or watch and see what they do. So I think, you know, bands doing these streaming things, I think, is great. Um, YouTube is huge. I mean, we're, we're in the process of building our whole YouTube play, page out. But that's where people go. I never I never really sat at YouTube and did that stuff. But I'm, I'm finding all this new music and I'm watching drummers that I loved that I never saw live watching them do concerts. I mean, there's just the Internet and the, and the social media world that we have today, like I said, gives you unlimited access to a lot of things. It's then up to the band or particular players or managers to figure out how to utilize that best for your situation. And that's kind of like what we're doing now. And then... You know, you had said before that you guys made the you know, conscious decision to, you know, knowing that all the COVID stuff was going on to still release the, the EP. You know, so was there any point where there was any other plan or was it always, you know, like, did you guys have any touring plans talked about there or anything? I mean, or? We've talked to a label and obviously when you're dealing with a label like Pavement, you've got a bunch of bands. I mean, you've got Puddle of Mud and you've got. Candlebox and even Mark's band, The Outfit, is out there doing stuff. And there's, I think you've had some uh, Dishwallows on there and Head PE. I mean, all those bands, when those bands go out, obviously you're going to want, you're gonna want to pair up with one of those bands to go out. I mean, it's better for them to, you know, put one tour out with a bunch of their own bands. So, right. yeah, there's been talk about doing that. And it's, you know, we're ready to go whenever it's safe for everybody ready to go. I just saw something online that I guess Saliva just played somewhere and Arkansas or something last week and there's they're slowly starting to get concerts or at least shows and some clubs back out there I heard Florida just opened up everything as of yesterday so I'm hoping you know yes I mean we want to go out there and do that but our main thing was never a live show the only reason we did the live show in San Diego was we wanted to make sure that we can do this live and how can we can pull this off and how would we gel live and we killed it I mean I don't think we could have did any better so we that was the only show we had planned. The rest of this is going straight to radio. I mean, really, without radio and without mass earballs, I want to call it earballs as opposed to eyeballs. <laughs> if without massive earballs listening to this, it's not going to go anywhere. You're just not. I mean, it's not going to grow. So we've just decided this is the best direction to do is, is put this on radio. If it catches fire, believe me, radio people will call and say, hey, do a show here. We did tons of shows with Kate with radio festivals, and right. that's where we grew exponentially and we did it fast i mean we were all over the country doing radio shows and that's huge because and you know another thing is is it comes down to this is you know what we're not assholes you know we're friends with a lot of the radio guys we're we're, we're not like hey thanks for playing us man or or you know just hey i just like you because you played us we're genuine and it's like right. i've had friends in radio that i've had for 10 10 15 years that i just call and shoot the shit to see how they're doing one guy got let go at a radio station. I called him and said, hey, man, you, you know, you'll be back. He's like, man, I didn't expect you to email me. And you know what? He got his job back. You know, as soon as uh, the business came back, he got his job back. He was like, I mean, that's the type of thing. I mean, it's got to be a two-way street. I mean, these guys get bands that blow smoke up their ass all the time just to get what they want. That's not what we've ever done. I mean, I've helped a lot of radio stations. I've done promotions with radio stations that didn't even include my band. I helped just their station. I was doing entertainment sponsorships for the NHRA drag racing series. So you said you're in Jersey. So I did. I, I took Zach Wild with me out to uh, what is that? Old Bridge Township, English Town, New Jersey, English Town. I did a Black Label Society car with Zach Wild. It was on Dean Scusa's car, and I had Zach come out and we promoted the Blessed Hell Ride, and we did that. And I, I did that. I did Motley Crue. I did Santana. I did uh, 
obviously disturbed in Chicago. I did meatloaf. I did George Thorogood. I did, I did the Jägermeister deal. I don't know if you saw the Jägermeister pro stock car that was out there with NHRA. I did that. So I had a lot of things that I was involved with that I always kept a small circle of friends. And then I knew eventually I would come back to do this. And all I had to do was make a call and say, Hey, I'm wanting to do this. But, you know, I did things with radio stations that way, just as a thank you for helping Kate out. I wanted to keep that relationship open. So when I did eventually have something else, it was like, it wasn't like I was pulling teeth. It was like, yeah, we'll give it a spin and see what happens. But again, they're not going to spin it if it's not good. You know, I don't expect my friends to just spin it just because they're friends with me. Right, um, right. You know, you have to have some substance. I mean, they're not going to walk around with, you know, a smack on their face because they're, just, they're doing a friend and, and they could do that to a million bands, you know? So we just, we work a little bit different in our camp and what we do and our, our philosophy and the way we think. And I think that's, what's kind of helped both bands. It's, it's definitely helped Kate get to where it was. And again, we weren't huge, but we weren't small, but we did more than 90% of the bands out there. And that kind of laid the foundation for Sons on Fire to pick up those relationships and kind of take it from there. A little bit different style, but basically it's the same thing, and we're going back to all the same people that we know. Yeah, now speaking of of the the style, because people always like to compare things to other things, and then if it's somebody that was in the same band, so how do you think that that people would, like fans would compare uh, Sons on Fire to the sound of Kicking Kate? Well, it's funny, before we got on this, you asked me, hey, you know, what songs, you know, I usually play two songs, and if you want to play score, you can play score, and then you can play Faded, and your listeners can kind of see the difference, but you know, Frank, at that time, it was a different time in our lives. We're a little bit younger. We're a little bit more angst. We're a little bit more, I don't want to say something to prove, but, you know, we were a workhorse, again, with MySpace. And, you know, there was three unsigned bands. The three biggest unsigned bands on MySpace were In This Moment, Hollywood Undead, and us. If you look, we were always in the top, all three of us. And then Pop Evil obviously came, I think, later. But we were relentless. We were always posting, always grabbing friends, always. We included every radio station on our MySpace page with their logo. I mean, we just, we really promoted. We were a promoting machine. And ultimately, you know, we went, we got a deal with Mark uh, at the time. But I think it was because he saw that we just don't sit back. We work and we will help assist them in any way we can. And, you know, it's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. So Frank was more angst. We were younger. And I think the songs were more aggressive. And now we're a little bit older. We have more life experiences. And I think the songs are more mature and it's not as heavy. Oh, believe me, we can go heavy. Some of the new stuff that we got right now is heavy, but it's still commercial. I mean, is it selling out? No, we're not selling out. We're just being realist at this point. It's like, you know, to to get on the radio and to do things, you know, you're still going to have your balls to it, but you want to have something that's hooky, memorable, hooky chorus, something that people can bounce their head to, something that people can remember the chorus and sing back. It's got to cross over a bunch of different demographics, you know, male and female, and maybe some older folks. But I think we write a little bit differently now, even though it's still Chuck in a band. You know, Dustin was our second guitar player. Um, he was more technical of, of a shredder. So obviously he was into the heavy stuff too. And with Frank's voice, we, we always came out a little bit heavier. But now it's a little bit lighter because we're trying to get Darren. I, we, we saw something in Darren that, you know, still he can go balls to the walls at rehearsal and we let him do what he wants to do. But his singing is very different and it, 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 it's, it's, it shocked a lot of people. So, you know, for me, I would like us to see, a, a, get a little bit heavier. Johnny's more progressive into the rush kind of a thing. And Trevor's more country bluesy and Chuck's kind of Metallica. So it's like, it's weird. Cause when we sit down, we all interpret a riff differently. And then we all look at each other like, what are you playing? Well, why are you playing that? But then when we go back and listen to it, like, oh, it works. Hmm. So 
we all come in from a different angle. So I just think we're, it's probably more mature songwriting now, more life experiences. Obviously, Faded is a life experience. Just a man, if you listen to the lyrics. Paralyzed is just a straight ahead. I, I, I played it like I thought I was doing a Green Day song, more, more punky. And I'm hearing people saying it's bluesy, poppy. And I'm like, that was so punk. It was so Green Day. The drum beat. I was like, I was just totally punking it out. Mm-hmm. But it's weird when people hear because every song you can say, how do you think Faded sounds? And they're like, oh, I think it's kind of bluesy hard some people say well that's rock and roll some people say it's it's classic some people say it's heavier and i'm like you get a gamut of all kinds of different people on every other every song somebody has a different take on what they feel it is and I've, we've never had that before so that's either going to be a good thing or a bad thing too early to tell it's just I, like i said i think it's 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 more mature songwriting i think it's life everyday life experiences thinking you're not just putting down you know you're walking down the street i meet a girl and you know, or drugs or, you know, suicide or angst or, you know, whatever, what we were writing with before, you know, it's, it's more, I don't know, maybe it could have been this COVID thing. I mean, it was done before COVID though, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it's mature, but I I, I don't think we're, I'm still playing as hard as I've ever played. It's just, I'm playing in a different way to a different song and Johnny's cranking the bass just like he always did. And Chuck's slamming the guitar and Darren is still aggressive as he ever has been. But it's a different song and it's a different way. And maybe it's controlled. You know, I don't know. I, I, I really can't explain it. And then the only other thing I've got I've got for you is, you know, what's next? I know you got you know, you've, you've mentioned you get getting getting onto the radio and everything. You guys have any other music you're working on right now or are you just focusing on what you've got? No, we've got um, we're working on a couple of rebanks that we're going to bring out um, one of them. I mean, we've got like three or four we've been playing with. and We'll whittle it down to see which one we're going to do. I mean, we've done a remake of the Beastie Boys with Kate. We've done Come Together with Kate. Um, I think we did an Alice in Chains song one time, but we're working on one remake to include in our set once we can play live. And I think they've already got three or four new songs recorded in addition to what we already have just to get a set. And they send me tracks all the time, and then uh, they got a basic drum beat down to it, and then I'll, you know, obviously learn it at home, then fly out there, and then we rehearse it for a couple of days, and then go in and record it. And so, I mean, we're still planning on eventually getting out there playing live. I mean, we would all love to do it, and they're still writing new songs every day. It's just right now, I feel like we've put all the work in, and it's been, like I said, seven, six, eight, nine months, whatever it's been since this thing's been done that we've just been kind of waiting. So now it's we're just kind of, not that we're sitting back, but we're kind of just sitting back and letting the other team do something now. We, we presented it to them and now let them do their magic. And then, you know, our, our hands are kind of tied now. Now it's up to the people what they think. I mean, if they like the song, then obviously great. We go on and, you know, then there's touring and, and live shows. If they don't like the song, we throw the second song at them and see if they like that. If they don't like that, then, you know, I don't know where the band will be, but from early responses of what we got. I don't think we have to worry about that right now. I think we have to worry about moving forward and taking the information that we're getting and building on it and saying, listen, no, people do like these songs. People do want to see these songs, plan on it and just be ready. So, I mean, what we're doing now is just getting enough songs to play for a live set and then getting them tight and then, uh, you know, just sit back and wait and see what opportunities or offers come our way and and we'll jump out there and, and, We'll go do it. I mean, we're just not going to do it, you know, playing on our own or that's not what it's about. We have no problem being an opening band or being the second opening band or, you know, we're a new band. We know where we're at. We know our spot. We have to earn it. And we're not afraid to go out there and do it. But we're going to do it in ways where we're, you know, we're playing with a bigger band where you're playing in front of an audience every night as opposed to, you know, 50 kids or 100 kids. We want to go out and, 
you know, do mid-sized places with a bigger band. And we have no problem with that. We'll, we'll grow it. You know, we'll grow our fan base that way. But being young and aggressive and crisscrossing the world and going broke, we're, we're not going to do that. Right, right. And then just actually one other thing that I was yep. just wondering about, because you mentioned cover songs a couple of times. Yep. Do you think that that cover songs, do you think that that's a good way? I mean, you guys don't have any on the on the EP or anything, but do you think that recording and releasing a cover song is a good way to get noticed? I've just I mean, there's so many uh, there's so many examples that stick out in my head. You mentioned Disturb before with with Sound of Silence and. Yep. You know, Bad Wolves cover a zombie was massive yep. back in the late nineties. You had yep. Limp Biscuit with Faith and Orgy with yep. Blue Monday. Like but do you think that going that route is is a good way to get you know, get I can the band answer on that. The map? I can answer you that in in a in a yes and no and a in a hot and cold answer. Absolutely not for us right now. That's been a discussion for us all the time. These guys you know, Chuck's always wanted to bring something in. Think about this for a minute. We're not gonna be we're a brand new band. They don't even know our style. Yes, we can do a cover song, but then who are we? What's our identity? Every one of those bands that you mentioned had a career before they released a a, a remake. Every one of them. Nobody started. Disturb was years before they ever. Well, I think they did Land of Confusion. Might have been their second. I actually did Shout on their first record. Shout. That was it. Shout. Um, But they came out with Stupefy and then Sickness. So they, they already created their own identity, their own style. So people liked them. Then they brought in the remake. If we came out with a remake now when people don't even know who we are, what's going to happen when they hear Faded or Just a Man or Paralyzed or any of the new songs? They're going to be like, well, who is this? They're just going to know us from that. So absolutely, it was by plan. There was not a remake on this initial EP. But there is going to be a remake when we make a record, a full record, or when we play live. But we wanted to create our own identity first and see if people liked us for us first, not because of something we did. And I just answered this to another guy and it wasn't a remake, but it was a story. You've been doing this for a long time. The, the music stuff and interviewing in your show. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be episode 51, but I've been doing it about three years. Okay. So you go back, I'm sure. Did you do anything with diamond Rex yet? No. Okay. Diamond Rex was an eighties band sound to Island signed to Island marked uh, with pavement, got them a deal. I was with diamond Rex for a bunch of years and did four or five records with them. And we actually were on the extreme porno graffiti show tour with danger danger as well. Remember when extreme came out with more than words? Yeah. Okay. Huge hit for them. Probably their biggest, correct? Yeah. They had so many returns on that record because people, old folks, everybody was buying that record. And all of a sudden you put on porno graffiti or get the funk out or whatever with decadent dance or any of those songs that were on that first great record that they came out with. People thought that's what extreme was. Now, it wasn't a remake, but when you lead early on in your career with something like that, when that's not really what you are, it, it gets a, you get a consumer disconnect of what that brand is and who you are. Extreme, right. yes, they're more than words. And you know what? Those guys rock. Great guys, awesome musicians. Nuno's one of my he's, – he's great, great guitar player. But I don't, I'm not saying that was a bad move. What they did was great. But the, commu- the, the, the impact of the consumer was, oh – some seven-year-old girl's going to pick up more than words, and all of a sudden she puts up, you know, puts on the CD, and she's hearing that. It's kind of along the same lines of why we didn't want to lead or, or even have early on a remake. We wanted to justify our own existence, our own identity, our own sound first before tackling that. Because if nobody likes the way Darren sounds, or like the, doesn't like the way I play drums, or they don't like the guitar, or they don't like Johnny's bass or Trevor's guitar, if they just basically didn't like us, it doesn't matter that we're doing another song. 
Right. You know, in, in our mind, we wanted people to know us first. You know, yeah, Faded's going to come out. Maybe we come out with another single. We don't know if it'll be Paralyzed or if we're just a man. We don't know. We'll look. But in terms of coming out too early, that was something, I mean, we weren't going to make that move. I mean, maybe, you know what, these big bands, it's great for them. But you got to look, when did, when do it, I mean, I guess you said Shout was on their first record. But when was the next big one? Land of Confusion was maybe on a third third one. to third record yeah yeah and then he did then they did uh then they really didn't have anything since then right then it sounded sound huge for them huge like game changer huge right those guys really went into the stratosphere with that now they got another one if i ever lose my faith in you but disturbed is disturbed already There's right no right. doubt about it they they don't need that song you know they they're just putting their spin on it and it's a great thing to give back to the fans but we haven't earned that right yet we've got to win fans over and have them like us or love us first then it's a treat if you don't like sons on fire then you're not going to like our remake you know what i mean we want you to like us first and what we do and like darren's voice and then we'll throw that in there i mean live different story but in terms of on a record don't know if it would ever be on a first full length maybe a second but again if people are loving it it, it changes everything sales changes everything if people like you then you know maybe next week all of a sudden we go dude you're getting so many spins and ads and i might change our tune and say dude i'm putting a cover on the next on this full length but we don't have that information yet so we we don't really know as i as i always seem to to, to say in response that's fair enough so that's yeah. uh that's all i've got for you today before i let you go is there any any other uh any parting words any anything else you want to plug before we uh call it a day no just uh check us out on facebook sun's on fire and i think our instagram sun's on fire official hit us up on there let us know what you guys think we will be out in your area at some point we just don't know when thanks to barbara for setting us up thanks to you for having us don't be a stranger we want to do this again and definitely when we come out that way have you come out to a show and meet you face to face excellent man i can't wait yep it'll be cool
from the album Score that was Kicking Kate with the song Score. I want to thank Bill for being on the show. You want to follow his uh, current band, Sons on Fire, on social media. I'll have a song for them in a little while. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook at Sons on Fire and on Instagram at Sons on Fire Official. You can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Um, you can also, if you believe in buying music like I do, um, you can follow Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter. And make sure to post or tweet your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. Um, now, as for what's going on with the show, I don't currently have any episodes scheduled. Um, you know, I always got the feelers out there, and, and if anything pops up, keep an eye out for something new. As I said last time, doing my best to, to still be able to do this while life happens around me, which is why this one was a little bit more delayed than I wanted it to be, but here we are. Um, on the front of the podcast, I also just need to let everybody know, after trying to find other avenues to make the podcast available, just because the, the more places it's available, the better, right? Um, so I did get the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast as of the maybe a week or two ago, is now available on Google Podcasts, and it's available on... Amazon podcast through Amazon Music, so you can find it there in addition to Podomatic and uh, the CKCC Podbean channel. And then obviously, as always, spread the word. If you love the show, tell your friends. Any connections for any interviews, send them my way. And uh, I believe that's uh, that's all I've got for you guys today. I'm going to leave you guys, as I said, I'm going to leave you with a song from Suns on Fire. This is from their EP, Faded. This is Faded. Until next time, guys.